Welcome back to The Paradigm Project. Today we have a very exciting guest. We have Mr. Burt here with us, who is uh, the orchestra and band mentor here at Paradigm. We are so excited to talk a little bit about music and a little bit about expression and how that fits into the great conversation of ideas. So let's get right into kind of getting to know Mr. Burt for those of you who don't know him. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself, some of your experience in, in education, what brought you to Paradigm, things like that. Yeah. Thanks. Um, my name's Mr. Burt, Daniel Burt. Uh, I'm in my first year here at Paradigm and finishing up soon. Yeah, Surprise. it's crazy. Yeah, wow. That kind of, oh. I'm <laughs> I know, right? Um, just hitting me now. I'm like, yeah, graduation's a thing. Now that I say it, yeah. I've, I've seen some seniors getting stuff in the mail, like cap and gowns and it's, it's. I'm a little bit jealous, it's, but It's anyways. unnerving. <laughs> it is really weird. I'm not ready, but I am ready. Anyways. <laughs> Moving on. Right. So I, uh, I'm finishing my first year here. I heard about the job last summer. Actually, a little before then, I was substitute teaching down in Utah Valley. Went to school at BYU in Provo. I was substitute teaching down in Spanish Fork, and the orchestra teacher there who had me in told me that there was a job somewhere in South Jordan at a charter school, and she sent me the link. So uh, it was Angela Harmon is her name. Um, she knows uh, Sarah Arneson. She knows Miss Arneson, so that's how she knew about it. Anyway, I uh, looked it up, and they had me in, and I came in and interviewed, and I guess they liked me enough to <laughs> bring me to the, the second portion, which was to have the scholars come and play. So we had all the band and orchestra scholars in here, and I came and uh, did like a 10-minute little run-through and rehearsal with them. I think we played something from Handel's Messiah, which was Thank super you. fun. Mm-hmm. And then we had some Q&A time. And the next day I got a call, or later that afternoon, I think, I got a call and uh, Mr. Seminario said, hey, we want you to be on the faculty. And I was like, great, that's awesome. So Heck yeah. that's the story. Um, I was there. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I wanted to be there and then I wasn't, but I heard a lot of really good things. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it was my first, it was, uh, all my other jobs before now have been like in college kind of jobs. And, right. Uh, even in grad school, it still felt a little bit in a, an isolated environment. So it was a big process for me stepping yeah. out and kind of learning all about that process and getting a job was a lot of fun. Heck yeah. But um, yeah, now I'm here. I've really loved the year. I've, I've, I feel like I've grown a ton. It's been as much school as I ever did in college, <laughs> you know, just like learning um, to be here. And I've, um, I've really, really enjoyed just meeting everybody and working with all the scholars. Heck yeah. So what have been some formative experiences in your life when it comes to music? When it comes to music? Mm-hmm. Um, I I have never not been involved in music, as far as I can remember. Uh, my mother put me into piano lessons, Suzuki piano lessons, when I was almost three years old. So I was still two. Dang. And uh, I remember sitting at uh, my teacher's piano and dangling my feet and kind of just <laughs> pressing some keys. And it felt like I was playing around, you know. Um she did that because I was like whistling little bits of my sister's piano sonatas that they were doing in their pieces. And she's like, well, we should get him into piano. So it was always, I guess, from before my memories really uh, go back to, I, I was in, interested in music. And uh, it's just been like breathing for me. You know, and not, not that it's taken no work. It's taken tons of work. But I, it's just been very natural to me all my life. Right. That's fantastic. That's awesome. I really appreciate when those opportunities have an opportunity to flourish in, in um, young young people. Right. Yeah, I'm, I, I I'm lucky to I have... I say young people. <laughs> I, mean, I am a young person. Right. Younger um, folk, yeah. <laughs> so back in my day, yeah. um, I actually, I have a question. So yeah. uh, back when I was in, in orchestra with Miss Arneson, mm-hmm. uh, we, we talked a lot about musical experiences and, and specific stages that uh, have impacted us. And I know that f- for myself, I there are a few specific stages where I have performed or just experienced some sort of um, masterclass, et cetera, you know, that that have really impacted my life, not just in, in music, but in in other places as well. Are there any specific places or or specific concerts that have impacted you like that? Concerts or places. Um, I'm going to reach back again. Do since it. we're going back to early early days of Danny. <laughs> um, this is one that I have heard this story from my parents. I don't remember it. But apparently they took me to a brass quintet concert. The Portniff Brass. Portniff River goes through Pocatello, Idaho. 
near where I grew up. Uh, Portneuf Brass Quintet. I don't even know if they were good. I mean, I think they were because they were college professors, but I don't know. But apparently to my, like, two-year-old self, they were really great. I stood up on the pew. It was in, like, a little church or something. Stood up on the pew the entire time. My brother was, my older brother was, like, goofing around, couldn't stay still. But I was, like, transfixed. <laughs> and I, apparently I told my mom, when I'm a freshman in high school, right? When I'm a freshman, I'm going to play the trumpet. When I'm a sophomore, I'm going to play the French horn. When I'm junior, I'm going to play the trombone. And when I'm a senior, I'm going to play the tuba. And that was just like, <laughs> yes, the tuba. And I, I think I went backstage with my parents and the tuba player like took apart his whole instrument and took all the little tuning slides out and like showed me around. I probably stuck my head in the bell, you know, something <laughs> like that. And I think it just, uh, one more spark, you know, in, right. in the fire of my interest in music. I love that so much. That That is adorable. It's a weird one to pull out <laughs> with that with that question, but right. No, know, but that's I was that's just thinking great. about early experiences. Yeah. Plenty since then, of course. Right, naturally, mm-hmm. naturally. Um. So, what is your favorite thing about music? Ooh. Uh, I don't really know, to be honest. Um, <laughs> a favorite, th- a good thing, yeah. a good quality yeah. of music. I don't know. Uh, well, I love music, and it's uh, <laughs> it's uh. Today, you know what? I'll just answer for today, <laughs> or just like around now. I um, I find that music is a tool for me to. Hmm. I don't know. Let me think. So, um, my favorite thing about music—it's a—it's a broad question, but I would say um, right. I'm gonna just make that plural. My favorite things about music. That's there we easier go. for me. And I imagine that it, it would evolve over time. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. That's actually a good way to start because when I when I was in, you know, late elementary school, middle school, high school, my favorite thing about music was just playing it really well, playing it with other people who played really well, and I wanted to just reach the highest level, uh, you know, as far as um, skill and stuff because the music that was most powerful to me that really moved me inside was... was um, I would say at that time, probably like great classical music. Uh, I was a pianist primarily and a trombonist uh, second, although I put a lot of time in on trombone too. Um, but uh, I, I I would go to my piano lessons each week in Pocatello with my mom. She was driving me. And we would just listen to CDs of Chopin or Beethoven or Rachmaninoff. And they're just incredible players, incredible music. Um, and then I'd go into my lesson and work on the details. Uh and just really shoot for a high level. Now, later in my life, I I think that changed. Actually, during music school, this funny thing happens if you go to music school. You go from being the really talented kid in your town to being one of so many that are just all the same. They're all good, but they're all the same. So you don't really feel special anymore. And I, uh, I, I had to figure out that some of my identity, I, I built on this idea that I was really good at music. <laughs> And I kind of went through a little personal crisis during that time. Like, what, what am I if there are all these other people that are as good or better, right? And, uh, and so, you know, I came to resolutions on my own. But on the musical side, um, I started to love music for its ability to connect and communicate and to touch people for me to feel the connection between myself and another as I play and they listen or vice versa as they play and I listen. I guess I learned to um, treat it as more of a language and a tool uh, for expression as our topic is today. Um, but more than, more than just, you know, personal expression like, ooh, I want to tell the world how <laughs> wonderful I am inside, right? Which it can help you do that, but it also can help you communicate and um, really connect with someone on a way that uh, other kinds of language can't. That's definitely something that I love about music as well and something that I've, I've had a lot of conversations about is that music really is a way to connect and it is um, a really, really beautiful language. In in some of Miss Arneson's classes, she would talk about sharing the light. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that expanded into like, share the re- light, be the light, create the light, find the light, etc. Um, mm-hmm. But 
it it was a way of expressing light both to the to the people around you, the people you're playing with, but also to the audience and and to be able to find that connection, to be yeah. able to find that expression and that that passion through something so simple, you know. And I yeah. I think that that's an absolutely beautiful concept. Yeah, if I may insert my own thoughts too, um, I I've been involved with music in, in various capacities for for most of my life as well. Um, and I know initially it started out as more, much more of a personal thing. Like I'd go to lessons, um, I'd, I'd play the music, I'd go to recitals, and then I'd, I'd go back and have new pieces. Um, and I'd work on that. And it was very much just like me um, working with the teacher to perform and then cycle repeats, right? Um, and I don't think I valued that communicative aspect as much as I did now. And I that's something that I really love about paradigm has been an orchestra program is that it really emphasizes that and until i came to paradigm and performed as part of their um their symphony um i was part of concert band um in concert band orchestra and a symphonic ensemble there's this feeling that you don't get anywhere else of like working together to create a really really beautiful piece of art amen yeah no music is unique in that way in the art world in that um there is not not a real way. I mean, we have recording and we have video, and but there's not a real way to experience the work again until you do it again. Like you have right. to relive it. And I guess especially before music was able to be recorded, like the the written page of music is not music. No. We, we bring it to school and we call, oh, did you forget your music? You know, like <laughs> it's not your music. It's the page, which has like about 5% of the information you need to play the music. Paper and ink. <laughs> yeah, it shows you the notes and rhythms and a, a, few little, a few little things. But mm-hmm. it doesn't tell you what music you need to play. Right. You have to get that from experience with music, which is kind of a mm. you know, definition in the definition. Right, but and it's it's the learning the language. You know, if, yes, if you're exactly. inexperienced and you look at a, a page of, of sheet music and you, you're like, well, there there's dots on and lines and, and symbols and I have no idea what that means. And then you put it in front of professional and they say yeah. oh i see so much further and i i can interpret this into yeah. something because of the experience it exactly reminds me of um the other day there was actually a college representative who came to the school and he talked about this contrast um and in his mind there was contrast between living and being alive hmm. um great and like you you can live and you can play the notes on the paper right but the notes don't come alive um without you adding some of your music in yeah right yeah it's there's there's such a collaboration between the original creator of the music and the performer um in again in in the art world which encompasses drama and visual art and poetry and novels and you know whatever else um there is there's something unique to music and there are things unique to every every one of those that I've mentioned, but one of the unique things is that the original artist is um, almost at the mercy of the performers to be able to communicate what they felt. It's a collaboration from the, from the start. Now, in the, in the modern world where a lot of uh, kinds of music now are produced or can be produced like right on a laptop or you know with software, that changes, but still it's a collaboration um, with, you know, those who designed the software and those who designed the sound patches and those kinds of things. Um, it's, uh, it's one of that, one of those aspects that I really love about music that, um, especially in classical jazz and many modern styles as well, the composer is only a part of the piece. The largest part, maybe. Right. But, but the performer has a huge influence uh, and it's one of the reasons we keep returning to classical pieces over and over again right. because um, they're different every time and it's fun to participate, you know. Huh. Uh, I guess that's true in like the theater world as well, right? For so sure. like they Shakespeare wrote the thing, but right. reading Shakespeare is not Shakespeare. No. Right. Like the content of, of what you say in theater is really important. But um, I mean, you can inflect it in so many different ways mm-hmm. that can give the phrase entirely new meaning. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's equally yeah. true with musical phrases. That is so yeah. cool. <laughs> my br- my brain is just exploding right now. Yeah, every every new artist gets to be a part of the creativity. That is so cool. But I mean, I'm 
I mean, you're entirely right in in that. Like it, it is. It's so cool to look at that and say, I can be a part of this, mm-hmm. and and that's where the personal expression comes in. Is that it, even if you're playing in an orchestra, yeah. and and even if you have you know your your uh, conductor and and they they help influence kind of how that goes and and there's the markings in the music whatever but it is still a, a personal expression you are still part of that you're still impacting the sound mm-hmm. any ensemble would not be the same without one or two or any of the players you know yeah, and right. and and it takes the whole of the ensemble to create that piece so there's that individual expression but there's the unity that you can find in it and and that's really cool yeah, as Michael was referring to earlier, it's, the, it's that unity and the connection right. in um, in the ensemble members. Right. One of the, one of the mo- main motivations for me that always led me to band and then to orchestra classes and jazz band and in high school and college is that um, there really is a, a kind of feeling that I don't get to really access in myself anywhere else. I, I remember, I think one of the things that stands out to me were my experiences playing in BYU's big band Synthesis, which is a great big band uh, I think I was in that ensemble more than any other ensemble in my college career. And um, there was just an experience every time we got on stage, whether we were doing great that night or doing just okay, you know, there was, there's just an energy there in that band that is just a lot of fun. And the audience is always thrilled to be there. Um, and you hit off something really exciting and there's just, you know, the room lights up. Right. And for me, that just like, it like turns my brain on. I feel like the rest of my life I'm operating at like 84%. And then the rest of it is only accessible when I'm like in the moment performing. And it's just really is, uh, it's a thrill for me. Right. That's definitely one of the things that I miss most about ensemble um, playing. Because there is, since I, I haven't been able to be in, in any of the orchestras or bands, and I've, I've done a little bit of things with jazz a little bit this year, but I've mostly been doing some some solo vocal work. Yeah. But I genuinely miss the experience of performing with an ensemble. And and at, at times I might I might look at it and say, well, I mean, there's the contrast of of you know I am one of many. That's that's fine. But it's not like I am one of many, and that is cool. Having that connection, having that experience with with everybody else and with the ensemble. There's there's plenty of wonderful things for solo work. That is great. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that even gives more experience to connect with the audience, which is beautiful. Yes. But being able to work together with other people to create a beautiful piece of music and then being able to perform that with other people. And and one of the things that I, I loved was I used to be able to look up and, and see people in the violin section or, or in the um, in the viola section or sometimes depending on the angle, the, the cello section or, or our director and, and being able to catch eyes and know that oh, this is the part that we, we kept messing up and now we're playing it right. Or this is the part where something yeah. funny happened that one time. And and having those memories and that connection and that emotion is, it, you can't recreate it anywhere else. Like, yeah. like you keep saying, there is nowhere else where you can find that same feeling. Right. Yeah. There, there, are, there are lots of people um, and there, there are many pieces, but it all comes together to make this whole um, in the end, that's what encompasses everything. Um, even even the audience, like you were saying, yeah. becomes kind of a, a part of that. I remember um, in, a, in a couple of band performances here, um, we'd be on stage. There are a couple parts that were that we could play, but it, it was like real <laughs> shaky, right? Mm-hmm. Just a little bit sketchy, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Um, and so we'd be on stage, and you could kind of, you could almost feel the anxiety <laughs> of the band around that part. Um, but then we'd, we'd, go through it we pull through it it would be like the best time we've ever gone through mm-hmm. it that, that wasn't every yeah. time but there would be all of a sudden this like collective relief and everybody just had this kind of giddy feeling it it's high stakes right yeah right. it's high stakes in performance and if you you know you can you can succeed or fail and sometimes you succeed and sometimes you fail and right it, it's it's like you know it's like playing i grew up playing baseball too and it's like sometimes you win and sometimes you lose and you go home crushed when you lose you know especially it's like you were about to win the tournament and then you didn't and they won and you didn't and it sucks, you know, but yeah. like, but, um, it's high stakes and, and it wouldn't, you wouldn't have the ability to, to, um, feel as great as it does when you, when you succeed, if you didn't have the possibility of failure. Right. right. Oh, I love that. 
something I used to say back when I, I played in our jazz band and I was playing bass was there's nothing like the high of playing a good bass line with your jazz band because the vibes yeah. are just good and you're just yeah. looking around and and sometimes like you you have no idea what's going on or sometimes people will be whatever you know but being able to just vibe together and being able to be in that groove like in the pocket in the pocket yeah that's a, yeah. that's a term i didn't know that was a term but we can in the groove yes in right. the groove something like that anyways stevie wonder song the, oh uh what is it, it oh, i don't it's know the song um it's sir duke oh just because a record has a groove don't make it in the groove oh right? it's so good that was <laughs> back when oh, records had times. grooves on them and that's how they played music <laughs> right but oh, no come on i think that is a good le- i wonder if that's a good place to go because i think there are probably a lot be. of people listening um mm-hmm. that have experience in music but i right. don't know how how many of them will have experience in orchestra class versus band versus you know maybe they're in an r&b group right or they're in a rock band right or they like to sing in the shower to mariah carey Heck you know yeah. like there's a lot of there's a big beautiful world of music out there and i think maybe talking about um how they're similar and how they're different could be a cool yeah. place to go. Heck yeah. And heck, do you do you want to, or do you want me to, or heck, you could, you could. Versus, um, ver- uh, sorry. No, you're Go good. ahead and ask questions if you had them too. I don't want to steer us too far off. No, I want to, we, we literally, we can talk about anything right now. Right. Did we want you to play in the middle or do we want to do that? I don't know. I don't know when sure. would be a good time. Well, I think. Um, I feel like we're having a great discussion now mm-hmm. that we're talking about our discussion, but. <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm like, I, I, I'm getting caught up in it. Yeah. yeah well I it's think good it's good that's a good thing. I was gonna yeah if you would like to i could mm-hmm. go through um some of the ways in which i um kind of some of the different influences in my life mm-hmm. and just talk about the differences and similarities in music mm-hmm. vers- you know in various styles right. and i can kind of demonstrate some of those okay. things yeah that'd be awesome Does that sound good yeah heck yeah so so mr burt you yeah i uh, have been a uh, pianist you're a trombonist those are both instruments that I mean, a lot of instruments do, but those two in particular are instruments to get employed in a lot of different ways over a lot of different genres. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you feel like that affects the experience? My experience in music, Mm -hmm. generally? And and with um, performance or or practice or or being in the groove. Sure, yeah. Well, there's there's a different kind of groove, if you will, in in classical music versus r&b like i play with my band now um yeah i i um i started as a pianist as i mentioned earlier and uh then started trombone in sixth grade and i was singing in like a children's choir and then i took some voice lessons in in um, high school as well from my mother uh all of which had big influences on my kind of development as a musician um, sorry, the question again was, <laughs> um, it's, um, so when it comes to playing in different genres, how does that affect the experience? Sorry, the experience being, um, the experience being, I think in particular, um, that performance is what comes to mind is with, um, classical. There's definitely, it evokes different emotions, different kind of, um, I mean, sometimes that can be the same emotions, right? Yeah. But it has a, altogether a different kind of approach to making that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the same with like jazz or R&B and things like that. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Okay, great. Thanks. No, I, yeah, one I of the things... Not clarifying initially. Yeah, no, that's great. One of the things that I uh, like to remind my scholars um, when we're talking about music, maybe I don't say it enough, but, um, you know, when Mozart was writing classical music, he was not writing classical music. He was writing music. Um, that was just music, right? And he was writing music for the court, right? The the royal court, the nobles. And then there was also folk music at the time. Uh, one of my favorite things about music is that there is no place in the world that it doesn't exist. It's like food. Everybody has food. Everybody has music, right? There's, um, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, really, like uh, every group of people has music. And, and um, so in that way, there are some things that will be the same from Mozart to Stevie Wonder or Bach to uh, one of my favorite current hip hop musicians is uh, Anderson Peck. Great. He's awesome. But um, 
there are things that will be the same. And I think some of those things, if I can speak as the authority for all of music, which I am <laughs> certainly not, but uh, one of those things is that um, it expresses the, <laughs> I'm about to say something that's true for all of music, but it's ultimately a difference between styles. Um, it expresses the cultural values of the, the people that create it. So in Mozart's day, since we're on Mozart, um, he was writing for a group that was refined and, um, and wealthy, <laughs> you know, they were, um, they were different, you know, genres were created, um, at different times, but to the people creating them, they were just music, right? And so there are things that connect all music together. Um, those things are, among those things are just personal expression, expressing unity with your brothers and sisters, your family, your friends, your group, right? Um, for me, um, I think the same things that connected my early experiences with music that made them kind of really exciting to me were the same things that kept me going um, in college, you know, and, and now, um, even when I switched into other kinds of music. So, yeah, I hope that kind of answers your question there. Yeah, it does. Thank you. All right. What are some of your favorite pieces of music? Good question. Um, I think the way that I'd like to answer that would be um, kind of choosing a few pieces of music from different parts of my life or different influences in my life. Um, the first one being my mother, who is the reason I am a musician, um, both the reason that I started and the reason that I kept going. She was the one who made me practice. So until I learned to love it enough to want to myself. But uh, she is an opera singer. She's a classical soprano. And um, one of the pieces that I remember most from listening to her sing and teach um, many times over the course of my childhood was uh, uh, Dvorak's Song to the Moon from his opera Rusalka. Something in the way that my mom does it is is just really moving to me. And it was the one piece that so as, as a kid, you kind of hate what your parents do. Like, you don't think they're very good at whatever they do, even if they do it extremely well, which is the case with my mother. She's very good. And I thought it was weird. I thought opera was weird. And when all my friends would, like, hear her sing in church or something, I would, like, shrivel up into, like, the size of a raisin and, like, beat red. I was just so embarrassed at first, which is such a mean thing <laughs> for a kid to do to his mom. But, like, eventually I grew up and I... As a teenager, I started to really love what she was doing. But through all of that time, I always loved this piece. Um, it's just very emotional. Yeah. I, I see that we just so happen to have um, a trombone. We do just so happen to have a trombone. <laughs> just in the casually. Room. Just uh, casually, I just brought my trombone in the room. Um, would you like to, to play a bit of that piece yeah. for us? Yeah, I'll demonstrate a little bit of that. Uh, this is uh, a little bit of Rusalka's Song to the Moon. Thank you. 
Something like that. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. And I'm not crying, you're crying. To give another point to um like the irreplaceable nature of like live music. Um and I mean not I, I think that's gonna be wonderful over podcast format too. <laughs> um but there's it's wonderful, even in this little um, kind of sketchy studio. <laughs> um, hey, it's that our sketchy studio. It's uh, yes, it's yeah. our <laughs> sketchy studio. There you go. It's a great studio. It is. We mm. love it. It's a warm studio right now. Amen. <laughs> warm. Yeah. Yeah, but to to finish your thought, I mean, you can finish it if you want to. But it, even though we are in, you know, our sketchy studio, um, and it's such a a small room and we're we're here together doing you know just recording a podcast and and it's just a simple line of melody it is there's still a a a feeling there's still the emotion there's still the expression because i i mean on your end you have the memories that are connected to it and and you have this this passion for the song um and and on our end it's it's something that i haven't necessarily heard as much but being able to hear your stories and then hear you play it and hear the the phrasing and the the emphasis that you bring to this piece is it makes me emotional on on my side even though it's something that I haven't experienced and something that I haven't necessarily heard as much because you are able to express through that piece and I think that's really a beautiful concept and I hope that our listeners can can experience a little bit of that as well um even in in the listening of the podcast but there's there's nothing like live music on Mm. on any scale and I, I think that's wonderful. There is. Thanks. Yeah, it, it really is a meaningful piece to me um, because of my mom's connection, but also just it's it's just a beautiful piece of music. And I think um, great uh, to an earlier point, great composition in music um, or great composition in anything. Right. But in music, it'll, it, it great composition allows us to have a vehicle for great expression. Um, something that is of lesser quality right? A, a piece maybe that I would write because I'm not much of a composer, but something that is of lesser quality than this masterpiece um, wouldn't necessarily afford the performer as much room to to communicate and to express. And that's, I think, one of the criteria that I think of when I think of like, what is a great piece of music? Right. That's actually, that's interesting. That makes me think of, of going back to earlier when you were talking about um, your your kind of journey in music and, and wanting to be better uh-huh. because it's not just about the piece it's also about the musician like if mm-hmm. you don't put in the time if you don't put in the practice and and work on your skills then you can't communicate it regardless yeah. of how good the piece is a great piece of music played by a bad musician is still a bad piece of music right it's that's why the composer's kind of at the mercy of whoever's playing it you know they're unless you know you were privileged enough to hear Bach <laughs> play something that oh, he wrote on the organ right or, you know, the great composers that also played. Sometimes I try to imagine what it would have been like if I were, like, seeing, like, Beethoven, like, improvise a piece oh, on the piano or something. Right. It'd be so I cool. want. But here's the thing. Like, that was their music then, and we love it now, right? Mm-hmm. We still love it. And a lot of people dedicate their lives to classical music. But we have this massive world of music now that's maybe more accessible and more um, alive than ever. I, right. One of the things that I kind of, one of the switches that, I turned in my brain in, in music school that I was in school for classical music technically. I was doing a lot of jazz and I was doing a lot of more modern music too. Is like this idea that all the great music happened many years ago and that's ridiculous. You know, yes, I would I would give almost anything to go see Beethoven play or right. It would it would be a thrill. But uh, I mean, while Stevie Wonder's still alive, I'm going to try to make it to a concert. You know, and and mm-hmm. and there are there are kids now like 15 year old kids that are just like Mozart was when he was a 15 year old kid, you know, like if you're open to, if you open yourself up, I guess is my point to, to all kinds of music. You can, there are, there are Mozarts now. Absolutely. There are, there are, there are those level of musicians now in our modern world. And there's even kind of this like Western focus we have, especially here in in like Europe and, and the Americas. Yeah, here in or Europe. Right. <laughs> oh, goodness, I wish. The Western world, I know what you're saying. Uh, yeah. I mean, I Our little studio mind. is moved <laughs> while Does we're this, in this. Is this the TARDIS? Said, oh, no. <laughs> oh, I wish. That I wish it was so bigger cool. on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, but, but yeah, 
Um, I think there is this kind of like Western focus that we have, and something that I've uh, l- listened to recently is some music from the Eastern countries. Yeah. Um, like some like kind of Japanese music from from around that time. I have a friend right now who's um, really really into the history of like Islamic countries. Great. And he showed me some music from from that time too, and it's it's stuff that we don't hear anything like. Um, in our strictly like American paradigm of music, but and I don't want to like nationalize music as a concept. No, <laughs> no, no, no. But that's a really good point, Michael. And I, I'm glad you brought it up because as long as we're talking about similarities between and also differences between kinds of music, there very much is a difference between music from different cultural groups. And I think we're, you know, we should see the similarities, but we should also see the differences. And I, and I. Yeah, some one of my best classes in college was world music, and we just we got to explore a few different um, you know examples. But really, what we were talking so we we looked at Indian music from from India, right, and uh, uh, Balinese music. It's an island in Indonesia, um, and then West African drumming patterns and stuff, and just used those as touch points to talk about kind of some of the ways that music has similarity and differences across different styles, but um, it's a good point. I mean, there's, there are things that we have never heard here in America that just would blow your mind, you know? And, and, um, yeah, there's a, there's a big world out there. It's a lot of fun to hear different people's music. There, now now that I think about it, I I really like history. Um, and so sometimes when, um, I'm learning about music. I like to learn about the history of a piece or something like that, right? Um, which I think is a, is a very valuable thing. Um, but the history of music, like you're saying, is something that's really, really cool. And now, even now that I think about it, um, the, like the American paradigm of music we have, um, it would have like boggled the minds of classical composers. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And like you're saying, like music... For, for anyone is just music for them at the time. It doesn't have a specific mm-hmm. label attached to it necessarily. Um, I've been doing some like research on jazz and things like that. And jazz is something that has a lot of multicultural influences that I think is yeah. really, really cool. Yeah, jazz is a major influence in my life. Um, and so I'm glad you brought it up. And and one of my, as much as I just you know said, it's really great to hear music from far off places one of my big passions is the diversity of, of music from within America. And jazz right. is one of the most American of any kinds of music because it really couldn't have happened anywhere else. There, there's an influence from Europe, for sure, like through classical music. We, in jazz, we use basically the same kinds of harmony, just with a little more color on the, on the <laughs> chord. Um, and then there's this major influence from Africa, which came because of the slaves, because of the slave trade. Uh, these people taken from their home against their will, now transplanted into this foreign country with incredible hardship, um, still brought their music. Uh, and they had songs and percussion rhythms that um, through the centuries before jazz was created um, became kind of a unique black American vocabulary. And then almost almost against the will of a lot of the culture at the time, they merged with uh, a lot of the rhythms. I say against their will because of the, you know, Jim Crow laws or whatever you have, you know, but there was, there was almost an unavoidable energy and joy in that music that um, it it actually is one of the forces that I believe uh, helped end some of the worst segregation kinds of laws. Um, I think in, in line with that, some of my favorite pieces of music question um, I'd like to share just a little bit of jazz. And Please kind of do. Thing. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, one second while I think of what to share. <laughs> um, let's see. What's that? Do we need to move your mic? Yeah, I'm just trying to think. Okay. Pieces. Yeah, you can go ahead. Um. I'm trying to think of. Uh, I can't remember the name of that song. 
That's what it is. Yeah. So there's a there's a there's an like an era of early jazz that uh, we call traditional jazz um, before the big band era, right? This is kind of Louis Armstrong's first iteration. He changed a lot of styles throughout his life, but um, when he was a kid and also like in his twenties, you know, um, 1910s, early 1920s, this style of jazz was taking the world by storm as the first like records were being created, right? Records of music, very new thing. And uh, one of these songs is called Bill Bailey, which is one of my favorites. It's a lot of fun. Here's that. Jazz, jazz is an incredible mm-hmm. form of music, and right. I'm not definitely not to say that others aren't. I think there's so much expression available within all different forms of music, and it's yeah. fantastic. Mm-hmm. One of my my favorite things about jazz is that, um, in contrast to some of the classical, because a lot of the time the classical there's um, maybe more rules, and there's plenty of rules for jazz, but there's there's more rules. It's more strict. It's more precise, um, and there is still room for expression, but it's it's it has more precise technique. Whereas jazz, um, you get so much real, raw, and genuine um, sound from people. Yeah. There's plenty of people who you know taught themselves and and didn't know proper technique, which is fine because they created these these crazy amazing sounds you know and and these crazy unique styles um and that's that's one of the reasons that i love jazz so much is because it is so expressive and there is so much freedom and and it it is raw and even then if if you look at some of the vocal stuff and uh i mean instrumental does this as well but vocal Mm -hmm. stuff there's plenty of vocalists that um the tone is just yeah. So raw. And it's it maybe it's gravelly, maybe it's it's got interesting vowels, things like that, but it's so beautiful because because it's unique. Because yeah. it's different, you know? Yeah, that's one of jazz's if I was to talk about one of the main values in jazz. Again, I'm not the authority on this, but but um one of them is individualism, and I think that's in line with um kind of our American experiment here in this country. You know, we had we have this incredible country that's built to allow people to um, have freedom, and jazz is freedom. Wynton Marcellus uh, leads the Jazz at Lincoln Center Band in New York City. Um, really important thinker and player. He's one of the great trumpet players of our time um, in jazz. He says um, jazz is America's classical music. He, he kind of links it with the values of America, democracy and freedom. And um, like you were saying, Kellen, What's beautiful in jazz is what's individual and what is creative. And it doesn't necessarily have to conform to someone else's idea of what a good sound is. Um, so a vocalist can sing way down in her vocal fry register, you know, and then go way up into a rig- whistle register and not necessarily have it sound beautiful and operatic the whole time because the difference in color is exciting. And w- one of the things that early jazz like brass players were finding out have my mutes out there. I should <laughs> show a plunger mute or something soon. But is that you could you could play things with these instruments that weren't allowed before. I mean, these instruments are orchestral instruments from Europe, but they took these instruments and found sounds that were, you know, not done before on the hundreds of years that they'd been around, um, like like this kind of thing. So. <laughs> All sorts of things you can use in jazz that weren't really allowed in classical music uh, for one reason or another, but 
um, became possible in jazz. And I think, again, it speaks to the specific kinds of expression that were valued in that style of music. Right. Something actually really interesting when when you were talking about um, the the vocal ranges, and, and I mean the whole thing, but vocal ranges and, and going way down, you know, dirty in, in your chest voice and then going way up high and, and not having to be perfect or precise. Uh, I think one of the reasons why people connect to that so much is because that's how life is. You know, life isn't perfect. Life isn't precise. Life, life isn't life. Life isn't perfect. Life isn't precise. Life doesn't have this, you know, pristine uh, one option. Yeah. And that is why people love jazz and love that type of music is because it, it replicates life. It replicates what you're doing in your everyday. If I want to be able to express that, you know, sometimes life sucks uh, or, or sometimes life is beautiful. Yeah. Right. And, and being able to say, I'm not perfect and neither is my music because mm-hmm. that's the way that I express is through this imperfect but beautiful form. And it's the imperfections and the inconsistencies and the individualism that makes it beautiful. There are a couple quotes I looked up while you guys were talking because it really re- reminded me of this. Um, I actually, I only had one initially, but then Kelm was talking and it was in Google <laughs> results. Um, but it reminded me a lot of what she was saying. Um, I heard a couple quotes attributed to um, Charlie Parker, who mm-hmm. is a, a really famous and influential jazz saxophonist. Mm-hmm. Um, and this quote that he, that he supposedly said is, um, music is your own experience, your own thoughts, your wisdom. If you don't live it, it won't come out of your horn. Um, and he, he's basically saying that if you don't live your life and see all of those experiences and take them in, your your ability to to express is limited. Life is meant for living. Um, and then there was an, there was another quote um, that I've I've known for a long time, and it always lightens up my practicing. Um, but he says, uh, "You've got to learn your instrument. Then you practice, 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 and then when you finally get up there on the bandstand, forget all that and just wail." Yeah, <laughs> it's um, the good stuff. And it. it it really, that quote lends itself to that spirit of improvisation that we're talking about and that really raw performance. Right. Oh, I love it so yeah. much. I was going to say, We need oh, to yeah. wrap up, just so you know. I want to say one yes, more thing. please do. On jazz and, and this idea. Um, one of the great things about jazz, people love about jazz is its energy and its joy. That's one of the same things I love about it. The beautiful thing, and the... It's almost unbelievable that it happened is that it came out of the incredible sorrow of slavery and uh, segregation and racism that black people felt in the United States. And uh, how did they create this joyful music from that experience? And um, it, it, as far as I understand it, it comes from the blues first, which was them, if, you, if you've heard like really old blues from the earliest days of recording, um, it comes, it, it's them trying to sing through the sadness. They're singing in spite of the sadness, even though the lyrics may be down, right? They're singing in spite of it, and they wail, and they um, kind of grind away at this uh, music. That was the root of jazz, and wherever it went from there to party music to you know, super high-speed show-off kind of stuff um, to calm dance music. You know, there's a lot of kinds of, of that. In fact, you could say it took off into all of American popular music. Um, at the root of it, I always think of that part of the black experience where they chose to take their um, incredibly difficult experience and make it something beautiful and joyous. And I, get, I think that's the gift that we have. It's, you know, in that specific case, it's from kind of that group of people, or it could even be from a single composer or player who's, um, like you were saying, Michael, like living their life through their, their music and sharing that with us. Um, unfortunately, we're running out of time and we have to wrap up. It yeah. has been an absolutely beautiful episode, though. Seriously. Um, so at, at the end of our episodes, we like to do a... Um, T 
takeaway from one of our hosts and a challenge from our one of our guests. Um, in this case, you. Yeah. Um, so, um, Kellen, do you want to do the takeaway for this episode? I would love to. Um, th- there's a lot that I, I am I am taking away from this episode. I, I've definitely learned a lot, and I really hope our listeners have as well. But I know um, something that I will take away from this episode is definitely looking more at cultural context of music. I think that that's really interesting. A lot of times we get caught up in in just, you know, music and it's a thing and it exists and there's cool different kinds of music, but we don't think about why they came to be and and the history behind them and and the context in which they they were formed. And I think that's that's a really cool concept. So I I I want to look a little bit more into that. All right, awesome. Um, and then, Mr. Burt, do you have a do you have a challenge ready? And if you'd like, we can give you a yeah. minute to think about it. No, yeah, I'd I'd have something to. S- <laughs> I have something to say. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, yes, I have a challenge for the listeners. I'd say. I'd say this: listen to some kind of music that you don't usually listen to, <laughs> and if you need a recommendation, um, <laughs> try Delta Blues. Google Delta Blues. Uh, it. Delta is referring to the Mississippi River Delta um, being Louisiana and I guess all up the, the Mississippi River. Um, that's That music comes from uh, rural black people. Um, just after slavery had officially ended, there was all the difficulty of sharecropping and reconstruction and, and such from that period of history. It's... Uh, it's gritty and it's painful and it's magical and I think it's it's um, something to try to just listen to and see the humanity in. Uh, and I love Kellen's takeaway. I would just challenge any listener that wants to take it on to listen to any kind of music and look for the cultural uh, cultural background and, and what gave rise to it. It's a great idea. Thank you. That is a wonderful challenge. Thank you guys for listening to The Paradigm Project. Please rate us five stars on iTunes. That would help us a lot. We have a Q&A on Spotify, and if you'd like to answer that, um, if, you, if you want to con- get into contact with us, you can also email us at podcast at paradigmhigh.org, or you can DM us on Instagram at theparadigmpod. Um, thank you so much, guys. Keep engaging in the great conversation. 